You are listening to the By the Numbers podcast of the Club KVAB Creative Community. Welcome to Episode 7 with Joey Image. Please note that this episode was recorded in July 2019, which means none of the references are going to be topical. Hopefully they're at least still funny. Let's go! Believe it or not, by the numbers, still exists. Welcome to episode seven, I want to say. <laughs> seven or eight. It's been a while since I've done one of these. Uh, tonight's guest, or today, whenever you're listening to this, I don't know time zones, uh, is this is the part where you start to just make conversation, Joe. Oh, uh, hey, that's me. I'm here, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know I if you were edit. done with the sentence or not, so I didn't know. <laughs> What's great is that I won't edit that out, so it's just going to sound really ridiculous. That's fine. <laughs> um, so, long-time listeners of this show, which is probably not people, and there's not very many episodes of the show, so I really can't expect them to be long-time listeners, or people who have known me for a long time or known Joe for a long time, know that Joe and I have known each other pretty much forever. Just about, yeah. Uh, since my first day on the Indies back in 2002, I've known Joe. I didn't know that was your... Wait, so so was it the, the glitter September 12th, whatever it was, September 2002 at the skating rink? Well, actually, there was a, one a couple weeks before that in music. Was I on that show? Uh, I w- I don't know. Um, it was the one where Turner wrestled uh, Danny Rage. It was both of their debut. I remember that match. I don't remember my first. So my first show in Pennsylvania was uh, September twentieth, two thousand two, at at the Strand in McAdoo. Okay. But I think I was at a show a few weeks prior just to what well, just to meet Glitter and like introduce myself and stuff like that. But I don't think I was actually on the show. Okay. So the timeline working out the way it is, yes, I've known Joe since my first day on the Indies. Wow, that's I, that's insane. I never knew that. Yeah. And what happened was I went to that show <clears throat> mm-hmm. as um, a representative from our local radio station that I was interning at. And they sent me to the ring to, like, hype up the show. <clears throat> so how did you get With- roped in the refing then? <laughs> Long story short, <laughs> I ran announced for a couple of years, and then they needed a ref at GBW, and I just kind of did it, and now here I am. Nice. 15 years later. My 15 years will be in September. Excellent. That's a, uh, that's a good way to get started. <laughs> yes. Actually, so, that's, that's the same way that Decker got started. Yeah, I, because I was going to be at WXW. And then, next and, thing you know, well, Joe was like, Chris Carraff. What's, what's funny was after the show, it was, it was Decker and my, my ex were in the front row. And uh, I think that was the night that I wrestled Rebel, actually, because she filmed it. And uh, her and Chris were screaming, which means everything else was drowned out. So I didn't just 
there's no audio on it. It's awful. It's not even. It's unwatchable. Not not because Rebels in it. That's just one of the reasons. But um, it's just that the sound is so bad. But yeah. So so Roy needed a ref, and I was like, Yo, yeah, my friend is here. He could. He's been refing for years. He could do it. I'll, I'll see if he'll do it. And then the first thing he, Chris said was, "Why would you tell somebody? That? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't understand this. Why would you do that?" I'm like, "Oh, it'll be <laughs> fine. Don't worry about it." And then I guess he dug it, and now it's uh, however many years later, and he's still doing it. So yes. <laughs> so one thing that we do here is we always give the wrestler a chance to introduce themselves and talk about themselves in the business. So for those who might not know you, Joe, uh, yeah. give a, a brief history of Joey Image in the wrestling <laughs> business. Uh, let me let me just get back to the Decker story for one one second. I I'm sure I know a bunch of guys that are like. You know, before I started training, I just told the promoter that I had been wrestling for a while just to get on a show. And I never did that. I mean, I never had the chance to do that. So I just figured, I'll just do that to Chris, and it'll be the same thing, except it's not me being the victim. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll never never forget the first thing they did was look right in my eyes and go, why would you do that? I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done this. I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. (laughs) And he did fine. And he still does fine. Yeah. I, I, I don't even remember, you know, I don't, I don't remember what he did on the first show or who, who he worked for with or whatever. But uh, I just remember him like being like, an, like anxious, ner- anxiously nervous. I don't know if that makes any sense, but, uh, but it was hilarious. Um, anyway, who am I? Uh, I don't know, man. I'm just a kid from New Jersey that wanted to beat people up in spandex and <laughs> without looking like an idiot to find and, and found a, uh, Normal way to do it, if there, if, if you can call wrestling that. Hardly, but okay. <laughs> so I don't know. I was I was a fan since I was like three years old. My brother, I grew up. My brother watching it, and my brother had all the old like Bill After magazines, like before they were in color glossy pages. They were all black and white, like newspapery paper, whatever that's called. Paper, I guess it's just called, but it's newspapers. You know what I mean? Whatever, all black and white. You know what I mean? So. So I just always always watched it because he was watching it, and then when he like moved out of the house and went to college or whatever, I just continued watching it. And then when I was about nine years old, I just had this thought that like I want to do that one day. And then the rest is history, I, as, as they say. I mean, I didn't start at nine years old, but that's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's when so I it was taking his first bumps at nine. Yeah, <laughs> that's when I knew I wanted to. I never did any like the backyard stuff and like the stuff that kids do today that are, that are not trained. They just see it on TV. I was always afraid of like killing somebody or getting hurt or whatever. So to me, it seemed like common sense to just not do that. But now it seems like a lot of guys, a lot of kids do that. And a lot of guys in the business did that when they were growing up. I never, I never had the balls to do any of that stuff. I don't think I would have in the first place, but I was just always afraid of getting hurt. So I actually started late. I didn't start till I was 23. And which to me is late because I mean, there's guys now that start in their teens. So when I got started, I trained with Kevin Knight, uh, actually here in the town that I live in, Woodland Park, New Jersey. Um, and uh, they, they put me together in a tag team with this kid, Ryan Rage, who was 13 at the time. I'm like, wow, man. Like, if I had started at 13, then I'd already been in for 10 years by the time I was 23, which is insane. To, to think about. I mean, Jesus, I'm 42 years old right now. If I'd started at 13, I'd be going on like my 30th year, which is, that's just insane to think about. 
I mean, I'm in, I'm in now for tw- almost 20 years, and that's crazy to think about. Oh, yeah. Like, thinking about, like, ring announcing the couple of years before I started refing, and then the 15 years of refing. I'm coming up on 20 years myself, and that just boggles my mind. Yeah. I, I remember thinking in during training, I remember uh, thinking, like, man, I can't wait till when I'm, like, 10 years in. And now I'm, like, 20 years, almost 20 years, I'm like, Jesus, like, this is insane. Like, I never thought I would last this long, and I well, in ring, I didn't last very long, but I'm still, you know, I'm still around doing stuff just behind the scenes now. But it's still crazy to me how long. Like, I mean, I found I found out that 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 Brad's first night, first day in the ring is the same, the same day that I started. So I started December nineteenth, nineteen ninety nine. That was the date of Brad's first match. I just found that out a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, that's insane. And Kev and Eric. Oh, uh, that's right. I knew about Eric. I didn't know about uh, about. I guess were they ring crew at the time? Yeah, they started as the ring crew together. Yeah, that's so insane, man. I don't know where the hell time went, but it's it's been a hell of a ride. And, and we're gonna take a look at that ride <clears throat> here today, specifically the matches that we worked together. <clears throat> and let's let's dive right in. The first match that you and I worked together was one of the most bizarre matches I think I worked <laughs> at that point. Now, granted, it was only match number 26 in my book, <laughs> so there's not a lot of history there. Yeah, you are still but, you were still young in the business as well. Yeah, so we're at EGW in Summit Hill, January 14th, 2005, a three-way ladder jack match. Wait, what was the, was that the, was that the, uh, the, like, the YMCA type building? Sort of. It was at their, um, their town building, like their borough building. Okay. Okay. It had the balcony. What was the one that that was that had like the it was like a high like a middle school or something? Was that a that wasn't Summit Hill? That was uh... Uh, Tamaqua had a a gym at the Salvation Army. No, there was some other place that was like a I don't remember. Uh, uh, it'll come to me. It was like a it was, it was like a middle school or like uh like a elementary school or something like that, and and we glitter used to run and and, and uh. The Dark Patriot he used to run in the uh, in, in, in the gym there. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this instance, we're in Summit Hill, and you're taking on Draven Blaze and Ricky Lane in a three-way lumberjack ladder match oh my God. on January fourteenth, two thousand five. I, I I remember some of this, and I was told other stuff that I don't remember. <laughs> Still, <laughs> I mean, I don't remember a goddamn thing, but. Uh, this was the supposedly the match where I dove off the ladder and went in the complete opposite direction of where my opponents were. <laughs> I don't. Do you remember that it. spot? I don't remember that spot. Like uh, Cletus told me about it. Like years later, it was. It was. You know what? It was when um, I think it was the match that I worked uh, DJ AJ and RJ <laughs> for 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 Sam. And uh, and Cletus was there with like the whoever the guy was that did the prisoner, um, manslaughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and we we got talking about gimmick matches, and somebody brought up ladder match. This was like hours before the show, and they were just there saying hello or whatever. And I was like, oh man, I've never been in a ladder match. And that's when Cletus told me the story about this match. And I'm like, dude, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> There are pictures to prove it. I did post one on Instagram a little while back. 
I, well, I know that I was in a ladder match, although, well, well now I know that because I saw the pictures, but um, I don't remember this spot. I don't know if you remember me diving. I didn't even know that you refed it. I, don't, I didn't know who refed it. It was me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't even remember that until now. But apparently, uh, I guess to make a long story short, there was a spot. <clears throat> and again, I'm being told the second hand. So for anybody listening, you know, if you want to call bullshit, call on somebody else because I don't remember anyway. <laughs> it's great that Joe's telling a story about himself second hand. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> so, so I, 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 I don't even know how to start. I guess first of all, I'm afraid of. So I'm afraid of heights. So part of, I guess part of why I didn't remember this is because I actually climbed the ladder, and I told Cletus, like I said years later when I had this conversation, I was like, "There's no way I would have done that because I'm afraid of heights." And he's like, "Oh, you did it. I was right there working security because Cletus was just training at the time, so he wasn't actually wrestling yet. So he was like." Same thing that I did when I first started training, and there were other, there were like student shows in our in our training center. Like the guys in my group would just do security or like ticket takers or whatever. So, um, so we weren't doing anything, but we were getting to watch like a live crowd and and you know a show in front of a live crowd that, you know, from the other side of the, the barricade, as they say. So he was doing the same thing. So supposedly the story is that I climbed to the top of the, ca- uh, the cage, Jesus, uh, the top of the ladder. Uh, I climbed above the top rope, or I climbed higher than the top rope. <laughs> so <laughs> I climbed to the top of the ladder, and I dove off onto Draven and Ricky, except that was my plan. But I either I went the opposite way, or they had just moved right before I did that and didn't even know I was coming, and I just hit the floor. And uh, so from what Cletus told me was that I didn't get up for like 30 seconds, and he thought I was like out, which apparently I was. But... I got up, and or he, he helped me get up. He, he put me on the apron, and he was like, dude, you're screwed up. Like, I don't know if you know what just happened. And I had no idea. And, and uh, I, hung, I hung out outside the ring for maybe another minute or so, he said, just kind of, like, collect myself. And then I just got back in, and we finished the match. But when, when I saw him years later, and he was like, uh, I bet I can tell you why you don't remember that. He's like, because, you know, you landed right on your head. Like, I, apparently I just did a straight dive and just <laughs> landed on my face or my head or something. And... uh. And I didn't remember any of it. It was the weirdest thing. And the fa- actually, the fact that I didn't even remember I was in the match, even before I knocked myself out, is just boggles my mind. Like, why would I, why, why would I not remember, like, the first... I could see not remembering after I got knocked out. But why would I not remember the first half either? I don't understand that part at all. But I didn't, I didn't even remember being in the match. So, I mean, I guess, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't even remember who won. I don't know who won that or anything. Oh, I have no idea. Um, I mean, it, it's a match that happened 14 and a half years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I remember there being lumberjacks and a ladder, and I don't know why. And there, there must have been some kind of commotion at the end because uh, I've seen pictures of Jesse like holding me back with like ice dwarf standing right behind me. <laughs> so I don't know if we, we if we did some kind of some kind of like pull apart at the end or something. I don't know. I don't remember that, but I, I saw the photos. That was uh, actually that was how Cletus convinced me that he wasn't just BSing me. It was uh, he he showed me a picture. I'm like, wow, this is insane. And it, a pic- it was a picture of me uh, either climbing the ladder or just standing next to it with Draven and Ricky in the background, like so I could see that, like, wow, I was actually in a ladder match and I didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> 
makes me think of what other, (laughs) or makes me wonder, I should say, what other matches I've done that I don't remember. Well, not only do we have pictures, now we have this recording for posterity's (laughs) sake. Yeah, when I'm when I'm 43 and I don't remember any, I remember even less. I'll go back and listen to this. (laughs) The concept of Joe doing this show is hilarious because Joe has the worst memory of anyone I know. Yeah, in or out of wrestling. Yeah, I can. You, you know what? I don't know if I ever told you this story, but did I tell you when I went and got my to get my head examined, like literally, or I, did I never tell you that story? Um, I think you have told some of it. I, I think we. I feel like we talked about this recently. Maybe it was just talking at Denny's after a show recently or something. But so so my 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 memory is so bad that I and you know sometimes it worries me. Not very often, but once in a while, I'm like, oh, I I should probably remember something like that, and uh. So when I lived in my, when I had my apartment at Parsippany, um, I used to hang out with my friend Mike a lot who lived right in the area. And, uh, and he was like, you know, my father went to this, this memory guy or whatever the hell he's called, uh, head guy or brain guy or whatever. Um, and he was like, you know, he just did a bunch of memory tests or he would like, this is how he figured out that his father had Alzheimer's. And I was like, oh man, that's not, you know, that doesn't sound that great. So I went there, they did like preliminary stuff. And they were like, okay, you know, we, we definitely see some kind of issue, but we want, you know, we need to do more, more testing, more blah, 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 whatever. So he gave me like a, a like a, a, ret- a follow-up appointment, I think like uh, two months later or something like that, three months later. And I never went back because I forgot about it. And that, as, as funny as that sounds, that's a true story. So, so <laughs> I, did, I did not know that. Yeah. So when people say you should have your head examined, like I, I tried, but I forgot to go back. So I never got it done. I never fully got the examination i just got step one you know it's a good first step um <laughs> despite it being the only step i i guess well i don't know what the next step was i never went back <laughs> <laughs> and if you did would you remember it by now probably not <laughs> <laughs> well let's see if you remember this we'll move along in the book here to palo alto pennsylvania Still with EGW, this is match 65 in the book on June oh 4th, God. 2005. So, so we didn't work together again for 40 more matches for you. Oh, just wait for the next jump. This, this, uh, despite working, both of us working regularly in the same towns and the same promotions. <laughs> so, like, yeah. uh, we would I, see each other at a million shows in a row, but work, like, every, you know, every 50th show together. Joe, the next gap is three years. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wow. And then the gap after that is another three years. Wow. Um, So in this match in Palo Alto, you team with Braden Shocker. (laughs) We were were the faction with the most creative stable name ever. The faction. (laughs) Wow. There's... There's a lot of thought put into that. Yeah, Edgar Allan Poe wrote that. That's how creative it was. <laughs> that's probably and, and that's, your opponent's... that's probably the first time you're, you're ever gonna have an Edgar Allan Poe mention on this on this podcast. Probably the last two. <laughs> <laughs> your opponents that night were Frankie V and Mercy. Oh, this was the match that uh Braden Shocker didn't want to uh do the spot because he doesn't like uh not that he doesn't like, he doesn't understand the uh the same sex thing. So I was like, hey, I will do this. I think it's hilarious. And I told Frankie to grab me and kiss me right on the lips. And he did. That's the first and only time I ever kissed a guy. And it was fabulous. 
I don't remember much of Frankie V and Mercy. I don't know where they wound up. I don't know if they still work. I don't know who they are actually. Uh, I actually, but, I actually still talk to. Well, I shouldn't say still talk to both of them. I talk to both of them again. Um, Al, uh, Frankie is like a, I think he's a makeup something or other now. He does like a, he's married to some dude from. I think he's still in Pennsylvania actually, um, and uh, he's like a makeup guy or something for like plays and presentations and stuff like that. And uh, Mercy Stephanie, I don't know what the hell she does. I know she's married to some guy and. That's all I know. I don't even remember what she does. But that was um, that was the show where uh, we were. I, I don't know if we were uh, AWO tag team champions at that time. I don't remember, and I also don't know. I don't remember, or I don't understand. I should say why we ever came out with those belts at other promotions because we never defended them anywhere, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> like we did the same thing for like the Ralph Ray show where I wrestled Just Incredible. We came out with the AWO tag belts, but we never, we never referred to them. We like we just had them on us. We never like referred to them. Nobody on commentary mentioned them. Like we didn't defend them or anything. So what that was the point? It was weird. But um, but yeah, that so <laughs> that was the match. That was also the match that I think was on my birthday. And uh, yes, or I don't know if it was. Well, what was the date? I don't know if it was on my birthday or just around that time. Ju- June fourth. Okay, so it was two days later. Because I, I remember uh, Fury and Draven Blaze did like the, uh, was it the, RV, does the RVD uh, Van Dam? I mean, uh, RVD Van Dam. That might be the same guy. Was it the RVD Sabu, uh, top, whatever the top rope finisher thing was called? I don't remember what it was called. Uh, but it was, it was like where the one, one guy does the splash and the other guy does like a leg drop off the top at the same time through a table. And they killed me. And it was awesome. It looked so good on film. I did not know that that happened. Yeah, there's a there's a clip of it. Uh, I might be on my Facebook somewhere, um, but yeah. But but getting back to the Frankie V thing, that was the story where. Uh, uh, so so I was I was flirting with Mercy the whole match. I guess it was a mixed tag, but it wasn't because me and Draven are both men, and Frankie V's a guy, but Mercy was a woman, so it was sort of like an intergender mixed tag, but not really. <clears throat> so, uh, but that was the match where I was. I would flirt with Mercy the whole time, and then finally, like, I cornered her. So so this spot was totally my idea, um, and I thought it was hilarious, so I did it. And uh, so I I cornered her, and then uh, I closed my eyes, and I lean in to kiss her, and then she slaps me super hard. So I take a full spin around, and now I'm, like, facing the opposite corner. And then so the crowd sees my face, and I'm getting pissed off, and – you know, my fists are clenched or whatever, and, I'm, and I, I look like I'm going to hit her. But then I feel a tap on my shoulder. I turn around, and then – so what I don't know is while I'm facing the opposite direction, her and Frankie switched. So now Frankie's in the corner. So I turn around. He grabs, he grabs me and kisses me, like, hardcore right on the lips. It was, it was hilarious. The first and only time I've ever kissed a guy. <laughs> but I thought it was so funny. And, like, there were, there were other people besides Braden that were like, why would you do that? Like – you know, you just kiss the guy. What do I care, dude? I mean, I'm cool with my sexuality. I like chicks. But that was great for the business. It was great for the night. It was great for the match. I didn't care. I thought it was hilarious, and it came off great. I actually I have the and full it match. Got over and it got over. Oh, my God. The crowd, the crowd was great after that. It was a big pop for him and not a pop for me. And then I got killed, I got <laughs> killed later when uh, Draven and Fury put me through a table. 
I don't remember. I remember that night as. Do you, I don't what? remember who. Probably them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess. Because <laughs> I got killed. I afterwards. imagine them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I see no reason for you guys to go up after something like that. <laughs> yeah. I wish I remembered. Uh, where am I going? I'm looking for. Uh, I wish I remember where that video was. I, I'll. I gotta find it now that I'm thinking about it. Um, great story about Sean Fury. <laughs> so I'm at Chikara's King of Trios. We are in Barnesville, Pennsylvania. And it was 2007. We had just had this really terrible ice storm. So I remember driving to Barnesville with like giant chunks of ice in the middle of the road. <laughs> so we get there, we're setting up and, uh, getting everything ready. <clears throat> And as you know, King of Trios brings in some bigger names. Right. So then Sean Fury comes walking in. <laughs> and he, he, I was like, oh, hey, Sh- I had no idea that you were booked on this show. Because he wasn't booked on this show. <laughs> so he, what brings you by? And he looks around and he goes, wait a minute. There's Alex Shelley. There's Chris Hero. Am I at the wrong show? <laughs> what was he? What show was he looking for? EGW up the street in the next town over. They booked against King of Trios. Oh my god! Yeah. What a horrible idea! Oh my god! He's just like he's like I'm at the wrong show, aren't I? I'm like I have a feeling. <laughs> I'm guessing you are. <laughs> Do you know the story about? Uh, actually, I don't know if you were with us the night that me and Decker and uh, I don't even know who else was there. Kev, maybe. And Brad and Eric, maybe we went to EGW like five years ago or six years ago. Do you know about that story? Oh, and you got threatened, right? Yeah. Yeah, Lorraine told me if she can cut my head off and get away with it, she would. And then they they (laughs) wouldn't let me record Decker's match because it was me. But the kid sitting next to me in the crowd, they let him do it instead. Like with Decker's camera. But that was the match where Sean Fury was their... I mean, that was the show. Sean Fury was still their champion at the time. And uh, he, he left... Uh, I guess he, I mean, whoever the hell he wrestled, he wrestled whoever. He won. They announced him as still your blah, blah, blah champion. And then he walked right out to the crowd and picked me up and hugged me and like pointed <laughs> at me. And he's like, Joey Image, everybody. And I, I in my head, I, I could see Lorraine like just like wanting to kill herself. So he gave me a huge hug and I whispered in his ear, You're dropping that title, man. This is bad news. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, I don't care. And then the next month, <laughs> Next month, the next show, he dropped the belt. I'm like, I knew it because you hugged me in front of her. So now they're going to take the title off you. And they did. It was amazing. It was so funny. He texted me. I, I, he texted me, uh, I think it was before that next show. He's like, You're never going to guess what I'm doing tonight. And I wrote, I responded, Dropping the belt. And he wrote, Bingo. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I knew it. Oh, so funny. That's awesome. That's so funny. <laughs> So, so now, as mentioned earlier, we move ahead three years. That's crazy. To match 372, we are in East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. It's a show I'm running for WESS. Oh, as a I remember that. I, I've asked you like 30 times since then, like, hey, who are the other guys on, the, on my team and the other team? <laughs> now I'll tell you. Um, so this is a five-on-five tag match. You are teaming with Mark Mest. CZW student Tyler Veritas, uh, WXW's AC Sledge, who would become AC Anderson, and a guy who wrestled as Reggie the Freak Trishel. 
who we now know as Pete DeLong or Gladbad. <laughs> I didn't know that he used Joey T's name. <laughs> he did. I don't remember That's what that. so great. <laughs> and you should go on the team of Mike Vaughn, Mike DeCannon Collis, Dennis Reaper, the Bloodhound, and Bruce Purcell. Wait, wait, wait. Purcell is somebody else now that I know. Right? Or no? I don't think so. I think okay. I, he moved to Vegas to start working on working on shows like Oh, then I don't know. Vegas shows. Yeah, yeah, then, then I don't know. So, who, let's talk about who's this the blood, Who's the Bloodhound? Um, so the Bloodhound was a dude who acted like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh wait a minute! Is he the doggy style guy that got on all fours in the middle of the ring? Yeah, I don't know why I remember that spot. It's the only thing I remember from that from that match. So <laughs> as they are walking to the ring, and I heard this story years later um, from and Tyler. When I was out with Tyler, we were out after show, and Tyler's telling the story of these guys walking to the ring, and Tyler said it was his first time ever being a heel. <laughs> so, Bloodhound is led to the ring on a dog chain with a collar, crawling, <laughs> led by Dennis Reaper. <laughs> I had no idea what I booked. So they get in the ring, <laughs> and Tyler looks and says, and I quote, what do you want to do, have butt sex? <laughs> Oh so, my god, it's amazing. So we're at this diner. It's me and my sister and Tuck Hansen and Tyler Veritas and Adam Cole and Joe Gacy. <laughs> and and Cole was also on this show. Lucy goes, I never knew that you did that. <laughs> <laughs> and those they said, I was the ref. I didn't know that you did that. How quietly <laughs> did you say that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Tyler's like, I was like, Oh, it was my first time being a heel. I don't know. <laughs> so, so Cole looks and says, how do you get to call that? Duck one butt sex? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> oh, my God. So, to, to, to this day, that's always the story I remember of this match, along with the, the finish I came up with. I feel bad for, for Pete for what I came up with. So, you guys did the, you guys go through the cycle. Everyone, you do the circuit. Everyone hits their finish. Vaughn hits his finish on Pete goes for the cover, and Mark Mess comes in and splashes Vaughn. Oh, my God. On top of Pete? On top of Oh, Pete. my God. I don't even remember this. I don't know what the hell my... What was my finisher at the time? Was it still the Bossman Slam? Probably. No, that's really the only thing I ever used. Wow. <laughs> the, only, the only story so, I really remember from this show is that I was talking to somebody outside that kept saying how nervous they were because they hadn't wrestled in eight years. And I have no idea who that was or when or like how they randomly got booked on this show after eight years of not doing this. But I don't I don't know. I, I remember that. And I and I remember the the dogs to do it on all fours. <laughs> so that guy was probably Pete. Oh, wow. I, that I didn't remember. <laughs> yeah. No, the the guy who you had the conversation with about being nervous. Yeah. That he, he didn't. Was Pete. He said he hadn't wrestled in eight years. And that was his first time back. Yeah. Wow, so so there, so there's God. There's guys that I know and love now that I met so many years ago that, in my memory, I in my head I met them like ten years ago. But this is like almost twenty at this point, fifteen twenty. Well, wow. this it, this this is eleven years. Yeah, that's ago. crazy. 
So Pete, in my in in my mind, I thought I met Pete like I don't know six years, five or six years ago, but apparently I'd met him like five or six years prior to that. (laughs) And teamed with him. Yeah. Against against a dog. (laughs) I'm sorry, Pete. I don't I don't remember, man. I'm sorry. (laughs) But you did you did pretty good for not being in the ring for eight years, I think. Yeah, he he did well, and that that match was fun. (laughs) So now we jump ahead three more years. And we go to the streets of Iron Bell, Newark. Oh, God. Is this the outdoor show? Yeah, oh, we are. At, uh, it's GSW. The rest of these matches are GSW now. It's July 24th, 2011, match 530. It's the GSW Tag Title Tournament. And it's you and Craig Stagg as the White Trinity. <laughs> yeah, two of us. <laughs> what up? Where Against, was Murdoch then? I was not with us? I, I don't know. Um, and you were against Bariqua's Finest, <laughs> Juan Jeremy, and Richie Perez. <laughs> Juan Jeremy made me bleed in that match. I don't remember what happened. I think he bashed my head either into the street or just into the mat, and my lip like busted open. Not not a lot, but en- enough for me to notice. I don't, I don't even like... I don't remember a lot of that match. Just that it was weird, and it was like outdoors and like the biker guys are all over the place oh my god wait a minute this is the the really bad promo i did yes so we get to joe's house the night before yeah (laughs) me and irish kev if you don't want to tell the story it's no no it's okay no i don't care it just that just popped into my head that i completely forgot Um, about that oh my god (laughs) so the white trinity just for everyone listening it was just a gimmick it was a character it's not really me okay that's all I just want to clear that up. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It was this stable that Joe was a part of. Joey Image, the wrestler, not Joe, the person. Right. Correct. <laughs> it's really important to stress that here. Yeah. 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 I um, would never do that. Like now, till like the past like five or six years, I would never. Well, I guess I. Well, no, this was 2011. So this is almost 10 years ago. So yeah. at least the last five years, I would never do a gimmick like this again. So Joe was in a white supremacist stable. Basically. We're, we're just going to lay it out there. Yeah, basically. Um, and we get to Joe's house the night before. Me and Decker and Irish I was I was AJ. in the apartment at the time, right? It was still in the... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. We, we get to Parsippany. We had just worked for PWA that afternoon, and we got right in the car, and we drove down. We get there, and Joe's like, I have this idea. <laughs> why, didn't no, why didn't no one tell me it was a terrible idea at the time? Or, oh, we, we or if we did, did, I don't remember. <laughs> Joe was determined to cut this promo about how it was a pig roast, oh, but he was not going to say pig. Yeah, it was, well, that's the thing. It was like, spon- not, I don't know if it was sponsored by the police department or the, whatever the police's motorcycle gang was called, but it was, it was the Newark Town Pig Roast. And, like, when we got there, there were, like, full pigs on the... It was, like, I'm sure it tasted good, but it was disgusting to look at to me. I was, like, that's... Like, I, I, I didn't realize that they actually just took the whole thing and threw it on there. Like, I mean, half of them looked like they weren't even cleaned. There were, like, just pigs roasting all over the place. It was gross. Anyway, sorry. So, basically, Joe has this idea that he's going to cut this promo. Oh, boy, this promo... We all tried to talk Joe out of it, and we could not. 
and I don't even really want to repeat it. We don't have to. <laughs> but but it was he he corrected himself to say pig roast, and that's all we're going to say. Now, thankfully, the mics were not that good at that point. So Joe said it, but no one was really around to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, not, and only, sound were, not only was the mics not good, but neither was the attendance. <laughs> yeah. And this was a show you could come and go from. It didn't help that there were three rain delays and the show was 11 hours. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, Barikos Finest went on to win the titles that day, so obviously they went up. Yeah. You know what's funny is like that um that intersection that that was at is right by Newark Airport. So and I I have dropped a- dropped and picked up Angela from there a lot and my mom which is going to my parents' house in Florida or whatever. And I always think about that show when I drive by there because there's the so so like if you're facing the ring from where we came out to make our entrance, right behind you is is an intersection on I don't know what the road is, but it's the main road going to the airport. So there's a traffic light right there. So I always, because I, of my luck, I get hit. I, I hit every single red light going down that road all the time. And I always, even uh, actually going to and coming back from Prudential Arena, uh, I always get stuck at that intersection. And I always just look down that road and I always remember that amazing show where uh, that was also the show where the, the drunk stripper came out and lap danced Mike Simzak with, without her panties on, which was amazing to watch. That was a really weird day for so many yeah. reasons. Uh, I remember that was the day we found the greatest backyard wrestling video ever on YouTube. <laughs> the, the Mighty Rockers. <laughs> so we found this trampoline fed with like basically a dude in a Canadian tuxedo uh, who was Mr. Perfect or Tito Santana or the Big Boss Man. <laughs> and... He he was doing the rundown of the show. He goes, "The Mighty Rockers," <laughs> and he looked and he looked into the camera and made this like wacky thing. Uh, if, In fact, I'm I'm texting that to Kev right now. If this the Mighty Rockers, what? How do you spell what? <laughs> I tend to do M R E H. Oh, I, I can see that. If this was a video podcast, I would totally beg you to put a clip of that in here. <laughs> oh my god! So, um. They, they, um, and then like the kid in the Canadian tuxedo would like strut back and forth in front of the camera singing the Big Boss Man's theme song. Like, it was, it was really weird. Like, they had the Big Boss Man against Tito Santana, and Tito <laughs> Santana was like a seven year old boy in wind pants. <laughs> that when they said Tito Santana, he jumped on the trampoline and said, Arima! Like, it was. <laughs> oh my God. As, as a companion piece, uh, check out that video, folks. <laughs> Uh, I will find the link and put it in the uh, description here on the podcast. Oh my god, that's, that's, a, that's such a great idea! <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. That was so much fun. That thing was that, was that the same? Was that the same night at my house where we watched the uh, the battle royal from the Trent Acid show where Rebel basically dumped himself? Um, no, I think that was at Decker's house. And it was because of that that Decker had the Midnight Express theme song in his head for a month. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I randomly text him with it, and he's like, damn it. So we are halfway through our eight matches together. Yes. <laughs> Up next, we're still a GSW. You're still a member of the White Trinity. Uh, this is another five-on-five five match. How many of these fucking things did you do? This um, is got, The only other one I remember is the one in the theater. 
That's what this okay. is. So is match 550, November 11th, 2011. So it's 11-11-11. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> you are teaming with Craig Stagg, the renamed Axel Image, <laughs> Jason Gotti, and absolutely Edwin. Whatever happened to Edwin? Against, I don't know. I only met him that day. <laughs> oh, he used they to, were... like, we, used to, we used to follow each other on Twitter and be on, be on our Facebooks and talk, like, through in, inbox once in a while. And then... Like, for, like, just the last year, like, five or six years, maybe. I just haven't heard from him at all. I haven't seen him. He's not on Facebook or Twitter anymore. What happened to him? Anyway, sorry. Uh, that's okay. Uh, you took on the team of Sweet Bobby G, Bariqua's Finest, Jay Blaze, and Mr. Gregory. <laughs> I don't even – I remember those two names, but I don't remember those guys. Uh, AJ always jokes that Mr. Gregory is, like, the world's worst gym teacher name. <laughs> well, I'm the gym teacher, Mr. Gregory. <laughs> no, the only thing I remember about this is <laughs> no spin. Oh God! <laughs> the only thing I remember from this entire night was AJ wrestling Rob Cook and calling Kev in the middle of the match. Wait, wait, say that again. You cut out a second. I got, I got as far as Rob okay. Cook, and then here was the rest. So, so AJ wrestled Rob Cook. And got managed by Collis that night. Because okay. um, Kev couldn't make it. So they called Kev in the middle of the match to get instructions. <laughs> but we didn't tell Kev that we were doing this. <laughs> That's even better. I don't remember this at all. So, <clears throat> so it was Jay's yelling on the phone, Coach! And Kev's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So, so the five on five in the theater. Yeah, I think the only thing I remember, I remember two things. I think me and Bobby did the finish, and I remember uh, Gotti like turned his back and walked out on us or something. <clears throat> that's, well, that's all I remember. This was this was after Gotti had won the title, which you would then later go on to win. Right. A couple months later, in, in Lebanon, in a battle royal. Jam-packed building. Because Gotti threw fans. down the belt. Yeah. <laughs> and said to come see him at another show where he was just the substitute ring yeah. announcer. <laughs> imagine, imagine doing something like that. Uh, I guess it would seem like a big deal. Like, oh, my God, this guy, like, shoot, threw down this other company's belt and then, you know, told them off and, and uh, you know, announced some other shows to be on. And then, A, he's only the ring announcer. And, B, there was only six people at our show to begin with. So who are you really telling? <laughs> <laughs> my god but yeah those are the only two things I remember from that match I think me and Bobby did the finish I don't. I remember me and him not knowing what to do because we didn't have a finish set up and I, I, I don't think it was supposed to be us in there uh, at the end but like I remember like all hell breaking loose and a bunch of guys were fighting each other and Gotti had just walked off and me and him were doing like the yelling at each other like, I'm like what are you doing what are you doing and uh, I, I think Gotti and I were already feuding sort of because I I think we, I think it was something like he was on our team like reluctantly, so he just took off, and I was like, "Yo, we agreed to like, you know, put things aside for one night and blah blah something like that." If I remember correctly, I don't know. I remember there was a match, and everyone had the same exact entrance music the entire night. <laughs> I do remember that, yeah. Um, and just appeared randomly from behind a behind like a wall, a door, yeah. <laughs> um. This was a, during the time when, like, our entrances were really weird. Like, that Newark show, we just kind of magically appeared from behind a U-Haul truck. Yeah. 
<laughs> we got much better at entrance yeah. plays. So shortly after this, we go to Lebanon, you win the title, and you pick your first opponent, your first uh, challenger for match 585, May 12th, 2012. You ref that match? Sean Carr. I didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I even know that. Wow. I thought it was like, I thought it would be, um, I thought it would be something like cool and different for like the new champion to like pick his own first challenger, <clears throat> as opposed to there being like a standard number one contender and. You know, that's the guy that goes after it now. I just thought it would be a, kind of a cool twist on things that I, I don't think I had seen done before. So that's why I did it. And I'm, I'm, I've always been a big Sean Carr fan and always wanted to wrestle him. So I thought that would be a perfect opportunity. Now, this was outside under a pavilion at the college. We had so many <laughs> different locations at that college where we had shows. Yeah. <laughs> and you had a live band play you to the ring, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that was the only time that ever happened. And I always... <laughs> wanted that i always thought that'd be so cool and it was it was uh i think it was crush pile they're somewhere from they're actually from i think somewhere where i around where i live now so we do that and that match was fun i had i had a lot of fun that, with that kid with that, with that kid with sean Carr. <laughs> well i'm 42 <laughs> he's still he's a kid to me yeah i mean you weren't 42 then oh that's true well yeah yeah you may have you may have felt like you were 42 then. Yeah, yeah. Well, now I feel like I'm 72. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I had a lot of but, fun there. Because... We did a – I remember it was I, – I don't know if, if it was announced as – I don't know if Montrose announced it as, like, a 30-minute time limit or something. But I remember we – I don't know if I found this out afterwards or if we knew this going in, but we were only going to actually go 20 minutes and then call a draw, but play it off like it was 30 Whatever it was, I think we announced it as more, and then we only went 20. Something like that. Well, I know early in the day we changed it from 30 to 20. But I think we still announced it to the crowd. I think Montreux still announced it to the crowd as 30, but we went 20. If I remember correctly, I was at my heaviest at that point. So I was okay with cutting the time down 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I would have been okay with cutting it down 29 minutes to one minute, but... It would have been a, a one a, minute time, a one of, a minute time of a draw, yeah. <laughs> um, like when we went to the first, I was just thinking, like, I was just thinking about Cody, that. Johnny Cockstrong had the one minute Iron Man yep. match that got restarted five <laughs> times. Uh, we don't have another show for six months oh, wow. at this point, but this show becomes a very important one as it winds up being the next to last match in our journey here together. Oh my god, and the catalyst for really the end of your career through no fault of Damian Gibbs. Uh, it is November 10th, 2012. Oh, you ref this one year. too? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> this one and the car match, I thought uh, I thought Decker ref both of those. <laughs> no, I, Decker was doing commentary at this point. See, I thought, I thought Pat, oh, Pat and Decker did, oh, that's right. And somebody else was Collins. Okay, okay. Oh, that's right. I was thinking Pat and Collis did commentary and Decker ref the, the Sean Carr match. Okay. So, is match number 629, November 10th, 2012. Joey Image, Damian Gibbs for the GSW title. I think that was another one where I just, like, I saw this dude. I thought he was great, and I just wanted to wrestle him. And I was like, well, I'll just – I don't remember if I challenged him or if we did something where – he. I think we did a promo, right, where he came in, like – the hotshot new guy, like rookie, that thinks his shit don't stink, and he's gonna he's gonna challenge like the the you know the top guy in the company or whatever. 
think we did something like that. And because I was the champion, that meant me at the time. Oh, that's how we got into it, at least, because I, I really wanted to work with him. I, th- I think it was his first night in the company. Yeah. And he came highly recommended by you, and you wanted to wrestle yep. him. And, and he's such a good kid. He is. I haven't seen him in a while, but we still we text once in a while. And uh, I think last time I saw him, we went out to dinner together. Uh, he's a big sushi guy like me, so we went out to sushi together. Uh, God, maybe two years ago now. And I haven't really seen him much since, but I've uh, talked to him via like text or whatever and he's uh, he's always good he's always like hey man how you doing blah blah and and we'll get into the what happened to that match in a minute but i can't tell you how many times he has apologized to me since that night and i told him like look you didn't you know you didn't do anything wrong i don't really know what happened it was just that was the time because you know i had been working uh this was when 2012 yeah so 2012 so I had been working for 12 years at that time, just about, well, because I started December of 99, so just about 13 years. So, you know, the stuff I was doing, I had been doing all the time, like the top rope, uh, what do you call it, the top rope senton stuff that I was doing, and I don't know, it was just, that was my time for my neck and back to shit out on me, I guess. <laughs> and we have watched that match back so many times. Yeah, and I've, I've never seen anything out of the ordinary. I don't remember if it was you the following day or if it was just John and Chris or maybe we had a group text at the time. But I remember waking up in my parents' house. Like I still lived in my parents' house at the time. I hadn't met Angela. I wouldn't, I wouldn't meet Angela for another almost a year from this point. And, uh, oh, wait, this was 2012 or 2013? 2012. Okay, so I didn't meet her for about a year and a half from then. And I remember waking up, and I just couldn't move my my neck or my head. And I was like, "What? Something's wrong here." And I I don't again. I don't remember if we had a group text going or if I just texted all of you. And I was like, "Can you guys do me a favor? Like, I can't move my neck. Can you guys? Somebody watch the tape of last night and just let me know if anything looks weird." And you're all like, "Everything looked fine. Like nothing looked out of the ordinary. Nothing looked you know out of place or you know quote unquote shoot or legit or whatever. Everything looked normal. And I didn't. I never saw anything that looked weird either." Since, like you said, we wa- I watched a million times myself, and I still, you know, it was, according to my doctor, it may not have been any one specific move. It could have just been wear and tear because I, I you know, like I said, I had been wrestling pretty much every weekend for 13 years and doing, I mean, I, I would always, I always had this, like, thing where, like, you know, like, the goal of an indie guy obviously is to work all over the place every weekend, but I would always take at least one weekend off a month just to myself just to, like, kind of relax and, like, you know, cool down and decompress, and then I'd be out again the next weekend. Uh, and, and I had to do that with, like, all the freaking weekends I drove to North Carolina for 11 or 12-hour drives or 13-hour drives one way, and then another, you know, 11, 12, 13 hours back. So I always needed, like, one weekend off a month. So I, it had just been, you know, 13 years almost straight that I was doing basically the same moves and stuff, which I never, <laughs> I never, never learned anything new. <laughs> or I shouldn't, shouldn't say that. I never incorporated anything new. I would always see stuff and like, oh, that's cool. Like, I want to, I want to do that. And I would just never, or I'd forget about it by the time the the next match came around or whatever. But this match just didn't, you know, it was nothing out of the ordinary for me. I, I didn't do anything crazy, you know. I didn't do anything wacky, and I ended up breaking a vertebrae in my neck anyway. <laughs> it, it could again probably just years of wear and tear, but I remember going over that match, watching it over and over and over again, trying to find anything. Like I remember trying to think of what the ring was like, if any boards were out of place, and like 
It was just a normal night. Yeah, and I don't, I don't remember. I'm assuming I did the uh, the second rope senton thing that I did. Uh, that that didn't wasn't good for my back, obviously, but I did it anyway. But the only neck move that we did was like that Mister Perfect, like neck breaker flipping thing, that like snapmare flipping neck breaker deal, whatever the hell it was. That's the only neck move yeah. that we did, and and. Gibbs did it to me, and when he did the second part where you flip and you grab the head and you flip over, he did he barely grabbed my head. I mean, I barely felt his hands on me. I just knew to go forward because you know I had good timing, but otherwise, I, I didn't you know that was the only real neck move we did the whole match, and I didn't see anything wrong with and like you said, anything else we did, everything looked normal. So now Joe has to relinquish the title several months later at the next GSW show. Now we've moved to Pennsylvania. Gibbs wins it. <laughs> I think that may have been my ideal. <laughs> and we decide to have Gibbs feud with Joe, despite the fact that Joe could not wrestle. And this led to one of the, the funniest moments. <laughs> I don't know if this if we had announced to the crowd yet that I was done. Um, I know I gave up the title, but I don't remember. We we I, I gave up the title in that new building that was 114 degrees. Where they told us we couldn't yeah. we couldn't step on the mats in the other room because they were cleaning while while it was a thousand degrees in there, but I don't I don't know if I said in that promo that I'm done and I can't come back or if I need to just give it up and then take uh you know take care of my neck or whatever and then I'll be back you know whenever I can come back or whatever I don't remember so I'm I'm thinking that when we started the the thing with me and Gibbs. Uh, after I gave up the title, I'm thinking that I thought I was coming back. I mean, I know I thought I was coming back, but I don't remember if I said that to the crowd. Yeah, and we, we kept it very open-ended just in case. Yeah. But now you and Gibbs start to have a lot of fun with each other. <laughs> um, get get your fat out here. That, that was the... <laughs> and that wasn't even... That was an unintentional uh, comedy because... I had talked about it, about it afterwards, and he didn't realize he said it until I showed him, like, a clip of it or something. And what he meant to say was, get your fat ass out here, and he just forgot the word ass. So he said, get your <laughs> Oh, man, it's still funny today. Get your fat out here. <laughs> oh, my God. And he, he, like, didn't, he's like, no, no, I said, get your fat ass. I'm like, no, no, you didn't say ass. You just said, get your fat, which is hilarious because I have a big gut. And he's like, are you sure? So I showed him a clip of it or I don't know. I don't remember. I I think that's when when John would put the stuff on YouTube, but it was private. He would only send it to us until it was ready to like go public or whatever. And I sent him, I I just cut out like that little piece. And I'm like, dude, here it is. And he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, that's hilarious. (laughs) Um, Gibbs was good at ribbing people. We we all went to arena bar and grill one day <laughs> and Joe got this giant hamburger that he was eating with a fork and a knife. They didn't want anyone he didn't want the waiter to for some reason. Because it's like I don't know. I don't know why. It was like not manly to eat a burger with a like like I'm a man, I should eat a burger with my hands and if I get like ketchup or burger sauce or whatever all over my hands, well then that's fine. I'm a man. Or you don't eat a burger with a fork and knife. I don't know. So I don't know where that even so the comes waiter from. Comes, I don't know if my father the like waiter comes that around, me or what. <laughs> the waiter comes around to collect the plates and gives Stooges Joe out immediately <laughs> and says, by the way, he ate that with a fork and a knife. <laughs> so funny. 
Oh man, I gotta what? text that kid. I missed that kid. He was so funny. I love when he my my favorite thing that he did was when he came out dressed like me. When he had like he was using something for a cane because I was on a cane at this point. I think this might have been after my first back surgery, my first spinal surgery, and uh and I was on the cane, and he came out with like a bandana on and like a pillow up his shirt and a, a paint or a drawn on beard with a sharpie and uh. I don't know if he had if he had the title with him at the time, and like something he used for a cane, and he, he was, he's like, it's meatball time, everyone. <laughs> oh man, that was some funny stuff. Um, speaking of meatball time, we did not touch on because it's not in the book. <laughs> we did not touch on the feud for the meatball title. Oh, that should be the in the battle book, of the meatball it. title. Yeah, well. So here's what happened. Uh, Joe was defending. Let's backtrack. So we made this belt um, out of a WWE toy spinner belt. Ashley painted a piece of styrofoam to look like a meatball. We glued it on the spinner <laughs> and had a legitimate meatball contest at a WrestleMania party. It was between. Ashley and Decker's wife Ange and Joe won so Joe won the meatball title <laughs> and then he started to carry it with him in his bag <laughs> well of course it's a title belt had, um, had so nothing to do with wrestling I just I had to carry it because I thought it was hilarious so Dave Ola sees this in Joe's bag at the show Oh, and, that's right that was Dave's yeah. idea where he's like the new rule is Anyone has a title belt, it has to be defended. What? Wait a minute, but it's not even a real thing. It's not wrestling. doesn't matter. You have a belt with you, you can defend it on our shows. Okay. So now Joe is defending this belt that he won in a meatball baking contest (laughs) on shows. So we are at highly competitive wrestling in Hazleton, and Joe is defending the belt in a battle royal. Uh, Joe wins. I get in the ring as I'm going to raise his hand, and I yell, "This one's for you, Ashley," because Joe beat Ashley in the meatball contest. <laughs> so I charge, and Joe ducks and pulls down the top rope, and I go over, and I'm like, "Drats foiled again." <laughs> <laughs> and then the next show, Joe drives all the way to Hazleton, but doesn't have an opponent. So we're just like. We, Joe and I come up with this thing like Joe can't come to the next WrestleMania party. Like he can't make it for some reason because he lives in New Jersey and we live in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Joe Joe can't make it to our next WrestleMania party. Uh, so he could have just relinquished so of course the belt. I had to lose the belt somehow. And that had to be on show. <laughs> so, so I come to the ring with a plate of meatballs to answer an open challenge. I put the meatballs in Joe's in, in, in the corner. Joe's like, ooh, meatballs. Because they just happen to be selling meatballs yeah, at the food yeah. table at this show. <laughs> like, we couldn't have planned this if we tried. <laughs> like, they had meatballs for sale. So I got a plate of meatballs and I put them down the corner. And Joe went over to eat the meatballs because, like, the New Day's obsessed with pancakes. Joe was obsessed with meatballs. I was the meatball champion. I mean, they lowered me into so, the corner. So while Joe's looking at these meatballs, I very silently wave for a ref, <laughs> give Joe the worst roll-up ever, pin Joe, 
win the meatball title, um, get up on the second buckle, spin the spinner, say thank you, everybody, and <laughs> run to the back. <laughs> oh, man, that was some fun stuff, man. Joe. Is that the same day as the Frank Town promo? Yeah, because we cut that at the Turkey Hill later. <laughs> Joe cuts a promo at Turkey Hill. He's trying to call Frank Talent, who had passed three years earlier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's like, he's going to voicemail. I don't understand. I'm just like, just keep trying, Joe. Now, <laughs> Joe's trying to get this overturned because it wasn't fair or something. Yeah, so, so he's called Frank Talent from the State Athletic Commission. Who, who again, passed away three years earlier. <laughs> yeah. So... We'll still laugh today, and Joe will say that he's still waiting to hear back from yeah, Frank Tell. Yeah, I'm still waiting to hear back though. from Frank Tell. He's never going back. So, Rebecca is still the meatball champion all these years later. I don't think she knows where the belt is. <laughs> well, how dare you lose that belt? That was mine first. <laughs> Joe's um, assistant to the general manager in GSW. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That that was a lot of fun. That was fun um, shit, too. We'll, we'll get there in a second, but first we have to talk about the final five here. <coughs> so, March 14th, 2015, we're in Muzik, and you take on Mark Maverick in match 815, our last match together with what, me. What was the date you. again? March 14th, okay. 2015. Right, right, right. Okay. So, you and Maverick. Yeah. Was, was, this the, uh, was this the match where he spit on me, or was that a promo beforehand? There's there's a I had left there's a picture that I think Eric took that's perfectly timed, where where Mark is spitting at me and like the water is because he had like he used to bring a water bottle to the ring with him, and the water is just coming out of his mouth and you can see like the stream from his mouth to my face and the the photo is so perfectly timed it's such a good picture, but I don't remember if it was from like maybe before that match or if we did a promo I thought we did a promo like the month beforehand so I don't know if it was from that, um I don't remember but it's such a good. It's a really cool picture. Yeah, and this match was very good. Um, it was kept very basic, of course. Expectations. Joe, talk about the final five here for a second. Yeah, I, I couldn't bump it all anyone who doesn't know, anyone who doesn't know what the final five is. Um, well, give, a, give an explanation. Somebody, uh, somebody explained it this way. The doctor told me I could never wrestle again because I could possibly be, become paralyzed due to my neck and spinal injuries. So, of course, I had five more matches. <laughs> <laughs> my friend Justin from California uh, taught. He came out for the for the last match from California. Flew out there to see. It, it was awesome, and uh, and he's he's very well known on the internet. And if you've ever heard the phrase uh, "Go home, Santa, you're drunk," he's the guy that literally wrote the book and invented that that phrase that became an internet thing. So now it's "Go home, everybody, you're drunk," whatever it is. So he's the guy that invented that, wrote the book. He was at the last at my last match, and uh, he talked about it on his podcast the following day. And he was like, "That's the way he put it." The doctor says, "You're you're you're you know if you, if you can't bump anymore, you can't wrestle anymore because it's you're very uh, close to possible paralysis because of your neck and spine injury." So Joey says, "I'm just going to do five more matches, <laughs> five more chances to kill myself or become paralyzed." So that's what I did. <laughs> but basically, it was it was just my way of going out on my own terms. I knew I was done, obviously, and I knew it wasn't going to be a, a wrestling, you know, quote unquote wrestling retirement where a guy retires and then next week he's booked on nine thousand other shows. Um, I, so I, I, because this was like, like I said, I, I decided I wanted to do this at nine years old. So this was not. Uh, I mean, just qu- just just quitting on my own was not a a decision I took lightly. In fact, when the doctor told me, he, he, the way he phrased it was, 
I guess he intended to be kind of stern. And he was like, well, what would you rather do? Continue wrestling or continue walking? And I said, I'll have to give you, I'll have to get back to you on that. And he was like, that's what really scares me. Because a normal person would just say continue walking. But you actually consider thinking about it as if, you know, that might not be your answer. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, Doc, you know, since I was nine years old, this is all I want to do. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't even know anything else. I know, I know, you know, computers and tech stuff, which thankfully, uh, you know, I could do for a living. But so basically the final five was my way of going out. It, I, I like, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't like an F you to my doctor, but it was more like an, an F you to my back and spine. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like, it was basically like I just want to go out on my own terms. If I'm if I'm forced to go out, um, uh, prematurely or or you know before I before I feel like I'm ready, then I just want to do it my way. So I spoke to John. I wanted to do all the five matches at GSW. Uh, actually, no, no. I initially was going to do four at GSW, and I was going to do one against Rob <laughs> Cook at Excite. And uh, and me and Moose talked about it, and then whatever the the date was for, I think the fourth one. Rob was booked elsewhere uh, before he confirmed with me. So he was like, yeah, let me know. Or, or yeah, I'll let you know what's going on. I'll let you know what date. And he was already booked somewhere else. So when he came back and finally confirmed with me, he was like, oh, I can't do this date. I'm booked in wherever it was, UPW or upstate or whatever. So I'm like, all right, there's no problem. So then I, we, I did, I forget who the other one was, but I had five guys picked. So it was, it was five opponents of my choosing five refs of my choosing. I picked all the dates for the matches. Uh, I, I started in February, so it would be February, March, April, May, June. And then the June show was five, day, uh, five days um, short of my first match in 2000. So my first match was June 25th, 2000. And then our, our show, my last match was June 20th, 2015. So I wanted it to be as close to actual 15 years to the date as I could be. So, uh, so basically, that was that was the final five. I, I, five, you know, five guys of my choosing that all took care of me. Knew I couldn't really do bumps uh, or take bumps, and uh, I, the guys that I trusted, that I respected, that that either I wanted to wrestle again or I never had before. And uh, and thankfully, John gave me free reign. John Salinas gave me free reign of everything. Just he was like, "Yep, just tell me what you, who, you know. Tell me." what you want to do, who you want, you know, I'll book whoever, let me know what referees you want. We'll book them. And that's it. And everything that, that we did, those five matches was all, uh, was all my decision. And I, I've always been grateful to John for letting me do that. Cause you know, he could have been like, well, you know, we already have, you know, we don't, there's not enough money in the budget to bring in so-and-so to ref. So we're going to do this. I instead. none of that happened at all. He was just like, you let me know what you want and it'll happen. And uh, so that's what we did. And I, I was definitely honored to be chosen as one of the five as on the referee side. The only ref, and... the only ref that couldn't do it, and uh, I started to say before that I had picked five opponents, and then I had picked two like alternates in case somebody couldn't come in, and I picked five referees, and I picked, I think only one alternate in case somebody. But luckily, all my five choices as refs were able to do it. The alternate was Jimmy Corderas from WWE, and. Uh, I, I texted him and I was like, "Hey man, all five of my guys are good, man. You know, sorry, but maybe we'll do something together down the line or whatever." He's like, "Oh yeah, no problem, no problem. I'm way up in Canada anyway." Blah blah blah. So, um, thankfully, all five refs uh, worked out. All five opponents didn't, so I had to switch out Krieger, uh, not Krieger, Mark House or Mark Krieger at the time, I think. 
and I had to switch out him and Rob Cook, and uh, but it still it worked out great. Everything worked out fine. Yeah, and the five were Justin Glory in the last one, Mark Maverick, Axel Lennox, Matt Turner, yeah, and Johnny Toxic, and Johnny Toxic, and the the Axel Lennox match was weird because we were still Storyline Brothers at the time. <clears throat> we I think we did that match as a uh, like Spike Norton tribute match. If I remember correctly, yes. And I think I think Axel was always one of my choices, but then uh, then when Spike passed away or Brendan when when he passed away, we were like, all right, we're gonna do this, like we're gonna do that for him. I think, uh, but he passed away. I think in two thousand twelve, like no. thirteen was it? Twenty fourteen, maybe twenty fifteen. Okay, so yeah, actually, that that sounds more correct. I might have just hit. Might have just hit like four years recently, because I think I. Yeah, you know what? Now that I now that I think about, it, I think he was still alive when we started planning this, because I think he messaged me saying that he was coming to my last match, if I remember correctly. And then once he uh, once he passed away, we decided we're going to do it as a tribute match, me and Axel. Yeah, um, that that was real tough when when Brendan had passed. Yeah, that was, was always such that a was good a rough, kid. Yeah, he was such a good dude. Uh, always, always a pleasure to be around, and just one day hit a patch of black ice driving on the highway, and that was it. And and, th- and that that was that. Um, but we we had the match with Mark Maverick, and that all goes well. And Maverick's a good dude for for everything he did in that match. Yeah, we had we had so much uh, fun. He was another guy that uh. Like I said, Damian Gibbs apologized to me like four thousand times for my neck, as if yeah, you know, he didn't have anything to do with it. But Maverick was another guy who thanked me a thousand times for like letting him be a part of that. And I was like, you know, because me and Maverick hit it off. I haven't talked to him in a couple of years now, but I don't even know if he's still wrestling. But um, but me and him hit it off shortly after we met. And uh, I remember me and you one day were going somewhere, and Maverick called us. He's like, hey, I have an idea. You know, can I can I explain it to you guys and let me know your thoughts or whatever? And uh. So he would do stuff like that with me. He would message me and go, "Hey, I, what, what, you know, what about this?" Or he would like ask me, "Like, hey, what do you think about if I were, like wore these colors?" Like, he would ask me stuff that like I would ask vets when I was uh, uh, a rookie. Like, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And you know, so it, it was cool for me to to have a guy that that trusted my opinion that much. Stuff about would ask me about stuff or what I thought about stuff that would, um, you know directly influence or directly affect his career. So I always thought that was cool. So he was another guy that, like I said, Gibbs apologized a million times. Uh, Maverick, like, thanked me, like, a thousand times for letting him be a part of it. And I was like, man, like, you know, he was always good in the ring. He was always solid in the ring uh, when he showed up. Um, <laughs> but uh, but he was always good, and he treated me great in that match. And he was really good, and we were doing the we, – we started off doing, like, the friendly thing, and then we did that promo where he spit in my face, and then – I did another promo, like, saying, like, you know, I picked you as part of this because I had respect for you and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you literally spat in my face. And now, you know, this is not going to be a friendly, like, a friendly retirement match. This is going to be a fight. And I think that's what we did, if I remember correctly. Uh, I think it, it, I don't remember how, what the finish was, but I think I threw a chair at him or I chased him with a chair or something, maybe. I don't even remember. I I don't remember either. Um, I think I chased him with a chair. I think it was like a DQ and I chased him with a chair or something like that. But it was fun. And I also will always thank you for letting me be a part of that and asking me to be one of the five. 
Well, I I, and... I thank everyone for for agreeing to it, man. It was that was clearly the obviously the most important five months of my career, at least. Uh, I mean, thankfully, I still get to be involved. It's just on the other side of the curtain now, mostly. But um, but yeah, those last five were were. I mean, well, you saw the last one. I was I, I couldn't even contain myself. I was in tears the whole time. Um, I, I I couldn't like I tried to uh, delay that finish as much as I could, just so I could have another couple extra minutes. But um, but yeah, that whole that whole final five series was uh, emotionally draining for me. Even I mean, just setting it up and everything, because you know when I'm setting it up, I'm not thinking of like, you know, how am I going to feel like for the for the last one. I'm just booking matches. I'm just like, hey, I want to see if this guy will do it and see if this guy will ref it and blah blah blah. And then once it actually. Once everything was set up, then it set in, like, now I actually have to do all this. And then, you know, when we got to the final match of Glory, I was just like a ball of nerves. I was a wreck. But that went off really well, and everything was good. Yeah. And me and John got to kill each other for one last time. Because John's, <laughs> John's one of those guys that, like, I love him so much that anytime we got in the ring together, we would just kill He I'd bash his head into a piano, and he'd body slam me on top of a car. So... <laughs> that's that's a regular Saturday night out for me, me and Toxic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but he's he's I, one of those guys that like I've been so tight with since we met, and I love John so much that uh you know we just kill each other anytime we're out there together. We just kill each other. So much fun. It's almost like uh like Terry Funk and Mick Foley. Like they've talked about. It. I think in Beyond the Mat it was where they were talking Terry Funk somehow they're they're such good friends, but when they get in the ring together, they just beat the piss out of each other. Like unrelentlessly, and that's what we did. It was awesome, so much fun. God, I, I remember when we did the CCW thing in Lebanon. I think it was in Lebanon actually, and uh, and I suplexed John on the outside of the ring. It was an outdoor show, and I suplexed him outside on the grass, and he was fine because he hit a nice patchy grassy area. And I landed on like a bunch of rocks that were sticking out of the ground but stuck in the dirt. And, and as soon as I hit, I'm like, oh, my God, that was such a horrible idea. And John got right up like nothing happened. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, well, we had, I had so much fun wrestling, John, Anytime I did. I wish I could one more time. I wish I could do. But, unfortunately, things happen. And with those things, you did move behind the curtain. And you did manage me when I had my match. <laughs> Timo with Eric. Not too long Back ago. That was April. fun. Yeah. Yeah, and you had a lot. Of, we did the GSW War with the United Stamper Alliance, which led to you uh, taking on my sister as your assistant, which was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which? Um, yeah, she she always speaks um, kindly of because she's known you forever too. Yeah. Like she's another one. Like I always remember the. The night that she turned and joined the United Stamper Alliance, when Vaughn won the belt at 50, you were supposed to chase her around the ring with a chair. Um, and then she rolled out of the ring and landed funny. <laughs> oh, is that why she and, screwed up her hip? Well, her hip was screwed up because she had a benign tumor in it. Okay. <laughs> and she rolled out of the ring and she landed funny. And she's like, I can't do this. And she just hobbled to the back. <laughs> And then we got in the back, and you're like, where were you? And she's like, well, I, I got hurt. And then you like, you freaked out because you, you thought you hurt her. I don't even remember this. <laughs> yeah, you, you were very concerned that you would hurt her. And she's like, no, Joe, Joe. I'm already Surgery. 
Oh, like okay. tumors, surgery, and you're like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't know because I didn't. I didn't remember just now either. <laughs> um, I also remember explaining to uh, her daughter, my niece, um, how you were going to chase her around the ring with the chair. Oh, I remember, but it's but, it's just a show or something like that. I think I remember that. Yeah, and and here Abby is like, I think five years old <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Or, or you know, she's like five, so we're trying to explain to a five year old <laughs> that everyone's friends and it's just a show. And Abby's like, uh huh. <laughs> um, there's a great picture that day of AJ and Abby talking, and it looks like Abby's trying to teach him something. It's <laughs> awesome. So, so that brings us to the end of our journey here. I want to thank you for joining me here this on this episode of By the oh, Thanks, man. This is awesome. So much, so many memories, man. So many good times over the last uh, almost 19 years, or almost 20 years for me. And until next time, my name is Matt, and thank you again, Joe. Thank you very much. And we'll see you. Bye.